2: Hey, y'all, I'm Taryn Finley, a senior culture reporter at HuffPost. And this is I Know That's Right, a weekly podcast about the latest in culture, entertainment and trending conversations from the news that makes us say I know that's right to the mess that you know is dead wrong. I'm breaking down the week that was and we've got a lot to talk about. Then, as always, I'll bring in a guest for an in-depth conversation. And this week, after Cat Williams shook the world up, we will be talking about the state of comedy with storyteller Jameer Pond. Ooh, and we have a lot to talk about there. This is I Know That's Right. I Know That's Right. After a four-month postponement due to the strikes, the Emmys aired on Monday night, which also was MLK Day, and I was surprised at how entertaining it was this year. But it wasn't a huge surprise that Succession, The Bear, and Beef dominate the night, especially after the three shows won big at the Golden Globes the week prior. But I have to say, there definitely were some unexpected moments that lit up the night and a few that dragged it down. For headlines this week, we're gonna do things a little different and we're gonna break down the Emmys. We're gonna talk about the moments that we lived for and the moments that just weren't it. They really could have kept. And though there were some really entertaining moments this year, It's still the Emmys, child. Like, let's go ahead and get into it. But, you know, as always, I have to start out with the moments from last night that made me say I know that's right. Of course, I have to kick it off. The night started out really strong with two besties that I live for winning back-to-back. That's Aya Adebri for The Bear and Quinta Brunson for abbott elementary now io won for best supporting actress in a comedy and quinta won for best actress this is the first time ever in the emmys 75 plus years that two black women have won at the same time in these two categories that is history was made that's great But I keep saying time and time again, like, y'all really got to do better with these first. But I'm not going to go off track because I need to give Io and Quinta their flowers. I've said it before, I'll keep saying it. These two deserve all of their things. Seeing where they started from, Quinta on Vine and Io on the New York stand up circuit, and seeing how they are changing the comedy game by being themselves and leaning into their own personalities is. So amazing. It's so refreshing. And it, again, is just so deserving. This is also the first time in 42 years that a Black woman has won for Best Actress in Comedy at the Emmys. Isabel Sanford won for the Jeffersons in 1981. And we hadn't seen another. She was the first, and we hadn't seen the second until 42 years after with Quinta. Whew, that's a lot. I'm just gonna keep saying that these women deserve, and I'm glad that they are getting their flowers. Now, on to someone else who gets a big I know that's right from me for getting her flowers. Nisi Nash bets win. If you didn't see anything else from the Emmys this year, I need you to run, run, do not walk to your nearest YouTube or whatever, look up her speech because boy, her win moved me. She won for best actress for a limited series for Dahmer. And you know, she's a five time Emmy nominee, but this is her first win. Her wife, Jessica Betts, walked her up to the stage, which was so adorable and heartwarming. But the best part, again, I need y'all to run to YouTube run somewhere where you can watch this video. I need you to get into her acceptance speech because this is where I lost my mind. I mean, she spoke about the trials and tribulations that she overcame when everyone counted her out in this industry, but she also took that moment to thank herself in a really powerful speech. Take a listen. And you know who I wanna thank? I wanna thank me believing in me and doing what they said I could not do. And I want to say to myself in front of all you beautiful people, go on girl with your bad self. You did that. I don't know about y'all, but this speech will become a part of my morning affirmations from now on. It is routine. It has to be. It is everything that I was looking for and everything that we love about these women these icons who are here now today getting their flowers and having their moment this is what it's about and in a post-win interview Nisi added that she hopes her speech was a quote delicious invitation for others to believe in themselves i know that's right i love that delicious invitation congratulations to Nisi congratulations to Quinta and Io. Y'all, y'all did that. Okay. I could have cut, I could have cut the program off after that, but you know, we kept watching, we kept watching and we went on to this next part of the Emmys that had me asking, "Mm, is that right? Now, don't get me wrong. I loved, loved, loved seeing the nostalgic shout outs and moments to classic TV shows and the cast reunions and all that. I mean, from Cheers to Ally McBeal, it just felt like such a fun way to celebrate classic shows as the cast got up there and read the nominations and presented awards. The Martin reunion, especially, however, hit home for me. Seeing the cast on the Emmy stage with the photo of the late Thomas Michael Ford on the table was... It hit home for me. It hit home. Now, if you if you grew up seeing and knowing how important this show was, it felt so heartwarming, especially because we've been celebrating it, but it also made me a little angry. And before I could even process why, the cast did it for me in their bit in which Carl Anthony Payne jokingly says they're finally getting their Emmy. Take a listen.
1: We're presenting an award,
0: not being presented with one knucklehead. I'm leaving here with something.
2: Okay. No, wait, wait, wait. Carl isn't right. all the way wrong, you guys. I mean, right. we should have won an Emmy during our run. Yes. True. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Right, boy? That would be
0: right. That right. would be right. But we were never
2: right. even nominated, despite our 132 episodes. What? Wow. Um, um uh, Just our huge ratings and being in syndicated so much that it's a little hard for me to see the 90s spankless version of myself every night. You know what I'm saying, (laughs) right, Regina? Like I said, Martin, like so many other shows featuring Black cast, was always celebrated by us. But when it comes to the institutions founded to highlight excellence in TV, they constantly overlooked our shows. You can't help but to roll your eyes a little bit as a fan as a TV viewer, as all of these things, you can't help but to roll your eyes a bit when years later, they invite them on stage to present someone else with an award. It makes me think about Insecure being snubbed for Emmys year after year. It makes me think about The Wire not getting their just due either. This year's Emmy winner list felt a little bit like progress, right? But also it didn't. Key folks like Dominique Fishback and Janine Neighbors were snubs, And in my opinion, it's because they didn't spread out the love and share enough of the wins. I mean, love the shows that dominated, but let's be real. If this pattern continues, then we'll see the same skit in 10, 15 years with... Another beloved show that is getting snubbed right now, or hell, was even snubbed within recent years. I mean, it's it's still justice for Insecure over here. I I don't know what y'all are doing, but I do know that the Emmys need to get it together when it comes to making sure that those who get their things, get their things. Mm, More on that later. Now, let's move on to the dead wrong at the Emmys. There were a few dead wrongs that I saw, um, including old dude getting up there rapping with a mouthful of Pop-Tarts or whatever the hell he was eating. But I'm gonna go ahead and zero in on the one that I'm really just... Scratching my head at and trying to figure out how we got here. There's been a lot of backlash since Anthony Anderson was announced as the host of the Emmys. And a lot of folks, including the Sexual Assault Prevention Association, asked Did we all forget about the multiple sexual assault and misconduct allegations against him that spanned from 2004 to 2018? Listen, folks even called for Fox and the Television Academy to remove him as host of the Emmys. And as we know, that didn't happen. And there are layers here, right? Anderson wasn't convicted, but I fear the further we get out from the Me Too movement, the less inclined we will be to take these allegations seriously. Considering how likable Anthony Anderson is, how many awards he has, he even has 11 Emmy nominations and how much he leans into his family man appeal is easy. Yet, disheartening to see how whoever chose him to host probably didn't even think twice. Him bringing along his mother Doris Hancocks to help wrap folks up during their acceptance speech definitely scored him some crowd favor too. It's just really interesting. It it was just really interesting to see. After the show, he told TMZ that he wants to host the Oscars and I think we need to pump our brakes here a little bit. I don't know what the right answer here is, but I do know that we can't afford to not think twice, especially in a society where the laws and the culture around protecting and listening to survivors are ever so flawed and in some cases non-existent. I'm honestly tired of men hosting these shows in general and seeing Tisha Campbell and Tashina Arnold on stage reminded me of just how good they were hosting the Soul Train Awards and I think it's time for the Television Academy to hire them for next year or this year or whenever the hell the Emmys are going to be held again child I don't know I I don't have anything else for the headlines today the the Emmys came and went we are deep in award season and Already, I'm exhausted because, low key, we not even that deep. It's 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 been two weeks. The Oscars is all the way in 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 March, child. I don't, I don't know. We we gonna we gonna see how the, how all this plays out. All right, y'all. That is it for the headlines of the week. Let me know what your thoughts were about the Emmys. Hit me up at underscore tearing it up next up I'll be bringing in storyteller Jameer Pond to talk about the state of comedy Cat Williams versus everybody and a few more things keep it locked because more I know that's right is coming up
0: Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Welcome back
2: to I Know That's Right, y'all. We couldn't even settle into a new year all the way before Cat Williams shook the table and woke everybody the hell up, Child, during his three-hour interview on Shannon Sharp's Club Shay Shay podcast. He called out some of the biggest comedians, including Steve Harvey, Kevin Hart, Ricky Smiley, and Child. the list goes on and on. It was a plethora of shots being shot. Now, I'm not... Here to talk all about the details of that interview. That was for last week's episode. So please go back and check that out if you haven't. But it did get me to thinking about the state of comedy today. I mean, Dave Chappelle's whole shtick right now is about making transphobic jokes. And from his Jada Pinkett Smith joke to his recent special, black women seem to always be the butt of the joke for Chris Rock. And Whatever the hell that was that Joe Coy did at the Golden Globes, it's a lot going on. But it's not all bad. Younger comedians like Drewski and Mel Mitchell have given a fresh take on comedy with their viral sketches. Kev on stage has been vocal about the need to grow and evolve with the times as a comedian. And Marlon Wayans has revealed that in his next special, he'll be talking about his own growth as a parent and father of a trans son. A lot is going on. So I'm here to break it down with a special guest. He's a storyteller, creative producer, and might I add, he has a few jokes up his sleeve himself. Child, Jameer Pond is here. Hey, Jameer, how you doing? Hey,
1: I'm just removing those jokes from up my sleeve. Yeah, (laughs) how you doing? How you
2: doing? You, so you starting off? I'm good. I'm I'm better now because I'm looking at you on my screen. But um, I see it. you you starting off on bullshit, and that's why we can see no, eye that's to eye. On bullshit. No, no, that's why we can see eye to eye. You know, sometimes um, you got to start off on bullshit. I um, mean, Cat Williams has has um, told Cat us that. Uh, you know, nice. and like. I, Like I said, I'm not going to go too, too in the weeds of that interview. I I feel like we have a lot is unfurling from that. There's a domino effect of the chaos that it started. But I do have to begin by asking, what were your thoughts while watching that interview?
1: Oh, that interview. Yo, it was uh, it was entertainment because it was salacious and it was nasty and muddy. And Cat Williams, (laughs) whether you love him or hate him. I don't know if he's telling the truth or not in totality. There were some things where I've been around the industry long enough. There was something that he said, and I ain't going to say it because I ain't in between nothing. There was something that he said about somebody on and I paused and I said, that's true. I don't know a lot, but that's true. But. He in the same voice and presence, he'll say, I read, you know, 3000 books as an eight year old and they were the voice. They were all nonfiction and they they were about great people in society. And I'm like, yo, I don't know (laughs) what it like who just says something like that. I don't know. But it's very entertaining nonetheless.
2: Can I tell you, so Mm. Cat Williams and I were born in the same city, Dayton, Ohio. Come on, man. And a lot of the embellishment and a lot of the storytelling that he was giving on that, I was like, wow, I know so many niggas
1: that talk like this <laughs> have, a lot of niggas that talk like this.
0: like i'm I just was like a
1: pirate at 15 and i lived on a rocket ship and everybody was like what
2: i'm like is this my uncle talking this is what or? i'm saying.
1: It felt (laughs) familial. It did. It did. did. Mm. Some of the best
2: moments for the show or from that interview for me were his one-liners. Like, I cannot get out of my head. It's unlike you to have an unnatural allegiance to losers. To
1: losers.
2: I need to adopt that for for all of my 2024,
1: to be honest. Yo, to hit somebody like that with something like that, to me, it's like- it didn't even matter whether it was true or not because he's so entertaining yeah. at it. And as I mean, you 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 interview a slew of people as as I do. You know, like I knew. I was like, once Kat sat down and he started to charm Shannon Sharp about the cognac, he said this is a full-body cognac. And the good thing about it is it doesn't have a wood taste at the end. And Shannon <laughs> Sharp was like, oh, oh, go, oh, cat, cat, cat's a connoisseur, he's a connoisseur. Of of a Conan. After the after he got that one step on him, he didn't let his foot off the gas for two and a half hours. It's so wild, like, mm. and I'm I'm
2: honestly, uh, we know Cat Williams to have a sharp tongue and mm-hmm. to go after people. I mean, who can forget the gnarled fingers oh. that he was talking about during no. the Wanda Smith interview a couple of years yes. ago? You no. know, but I was surprised at the Sheer amount of people that he went Mm. out for that interview. I mean, he held no punches, took his gloves off. But the response, Mm. I mean, you have Kevin Hart responding. Mm. You have Cedric the Entertainer. You have Ricky Smiley, all them uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Hell, mm-hmm. Hell even Ludacris is not,
0: Ludacris. <laughs> he's <laughs> not, not even now. a
2: comedian, but he was <laughs> like, let me, he said, let me run these bars for you real quick. Let me run these bars.
1: And he still it, got my, he still had his sideburns. He yo, said, hey. he said, the sideburns is back, dude. What you he talking said, about? I don't know what you talking about. Okay. Let me get these sideburns real quick.
2: I was, I was also gagged that he didn't defend his wife in the freestyle. Nobody so.
1: defended anything. I said, was yeah, I said, damn. (laughs)
2: i said damn okay the
1: big faceness of the wife that's great as well Ooh,
2: but like that Uh, shows that like mm. this is clearly having an impact what do you think a beef like this does for comedy because comedy has been in it's been in a weird place for for you know quite some time now
1: it's it's interesting it's like uh uh, there's always these periods within comedy and just art in general where like the standard continues to get raised mm. and some people fall behind the wayside because they don't know how to play up to the stand. If you've been in the game a long time, I think Cat Williams did a great job in terms mm. of sitting down, having the perfect interviewer who at one point in time, I'm pretty sure just gave up and was like, let me just ask you some hot button topics and you right. just go off. He couldn't keep up with them. So he had a time where he could get in so much on such a big platform. I mean, we're talking about over 40 million views here. Mm. So when you talk about like the state of comedy, a lot of it can be re- reflected by the state of the world. You, wow. you tell me yeah. like the artists and what period, and you can you can hear the, the state of the world in whatever art form that they're doing. And so comedy, like everything else, salacious, People want to know people, you know, don't don't have a problem with hearing about Steve Harvey's fake hair (laughs) or or, or, (laughs) the entertainer stealing jokes or people lean into that. This is a society that we're in. So I think comedy is a, a very big reflection of like everything that we're going through. It's like the day of celebrity and living behind the wall does not exist anymore. Everything is in front of the curtain. And so everybody is 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 a target. Like on like like on X on social media, how everybody becomes that main character that one day where you just get dragged and like people live for those moments. So that's very much reflected in the art that we see in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I will say some people were surprised that Mr. Hightower was wearing a manual. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Hightower. <laughs> some, some people were. Some people were gagged by that, but you know, yeah. like if if you know, you know, you can you can clock one if you can clock one. But I want to talk about one thing that you pointed out and one thing that like Cat really stood on business was how important it is that we evolve as a society and how we allow or not even allow how we understand the words that we use now versus the words that we used to use before. And, you know, How We Evolve really demands for comics to evolve, too. Like you said, we still have folks like Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock making really unfunny jokes about trans people, you know, Dave especially. I'm wondering, did you watch his last special or any of the more recent ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, What were your thoughts? I didn't watch the last special because I I, I kind of, you know, Dave Chappelle, that's one that really hurts for me because I grew up watching the Chappelle show and really being influenced and impacted by how you know how really revolutionary it was to you know see that kind of content on tv on a comedy central so it mm. has been disappointing for me seeing yeah. kind of the hill that he's willing to die on
1: yeah uh you know i i watched the last special um and much like you like Chappelle was a huge driving force like a little bit about me i started off as a stand-up comedian in New York City when I was like 14 years old and so like around that time like a big inspiration was the Chappelle show and and watching Dave Chappelle go from just stand-up comedian to now having this 30-minute phenomena of a show I mean it's just it's along with the same lineage of like the Richard Pryor show and the Flip Wilson show and the Living Color and the Chappelle shows handled handed down the, the torch. So of that time, that was that show for that generation of people. So of course, of course, very influenced by the words and the creativity and uh, the 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 brilliance of of what that show meant to me. Now, what I've had to work out in therapy is disassociating uh, celebrities and people that have impacted my life. And getting it out of their head that I know them in the capacity of what they mean to me. And just because they mean so much to me does not mean I know who these people are. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the things that I've been learning about, like, like uh, I, I would say creative heroes, like uh, Dave Chappelle, um, Will Smith, and Jada Pickett-Smith, has been against my will. Like, I didn't ask for that of this. Oh, absolutely. Like, I didn't ask for none of this. Like, I would have been perfect. <laughs> thinking that y'all were the way i saw y'all but that's not how people are so learning more about Chappelle and seeing where he is now and again watching the the special i mean the key thing that he said that stuck out to me was like i like punching down like he said it like he was like "I, I, i like punching down hey you know what's interesting i i didn't see as many people and maybe this is just from my lack of knowledge, I didn't see as many people talking about the disabled people that Chappelle joked about. Yeah. In the special as well. Uh, But it, 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 it reminds me that, again, America is like really rooted in, I know we were romanticized like love and happiness, but America really not rooted in that. I mean, that's part of the dream, but we have historically taken each other down have taken people down. And I think that this is a continuum of punching down in comedy. It's always existed. It's not like this is a new thing. It's just a new class or a new uh, a scope, a, a new pe- a, a new people who are getting that spotlight. Not that it makes it any better. I'm just saying like, this has historically been a part of comedy. You, you get your licks in so you could be a part of the, the club. But if you look at it like that, like, much like black people, I mean now too, but much like 60s and the 50s, like some of the persuasions of people in the media, comedians, actors, uh, high level people, their words afflict and affect so many. And so now you have impressionable people who might take shit a step farther outside of the comedy realm. And so I understand the dangers of why, him saying things specifically against the trans community could be dangerous. I noticed this, his, him saying what he said, not that it's not unique, but there are plenty of 50-year-old Black men who I've come across who feel the exact same way and doesn't make it right. But there's a section of people who align totally with Dave Chappelle, even though I might not. I, I can't diminish the fact that his work has had an impact on my life greatly. I, I just don't agree in punching down on, 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 on anybody.
2: Right. And it's so, it's so interesting to hear the kind of jokes that he actually does yeah. make. Not only cause I, yeah. I, I actually um, learned about him punching down on uh, disabled people because of a viral Twitter clip. It's just like, okay, this isn't even funny yeah. You know, and yeah. I think I think that's really the thing for me. And then when I think about um, Marlon Wayans recent comments and taking accountability of like not being understanding and displaying his growth in. He's about to talk about it. He he's, he revealed that he's about to talk about his um his trans son and their relationship and and all of that in his upcoming special. And I'm like, I'm really curious to see what that's going to be like because that's that demographic. That's that older, sure. you know, like over 50. middle age, over mm-hmm. fifty, like black man who like that demographic is generally conservative. Like even though we don't always like see or paint them is that like that is a conservative exactly exactly mm-hmm. so i don't know i'm i'm interested in seeing in incorpor- how we incorporate and in are inclusive of other communities in within comedy in a creative way that doesn't you know that doesn't afflict or and doesn't embolden not only just like regular ass bigoted people to you know do bullshit that harms these communities but also shit congress people and legislators who feel like it's okay to make policies because of this kind of like nature yeah. of, of continuing to to punch down you know yeah
1: i and i, I think like even examining I'm a big fan of the Wayans as well. Mm, So mm -hmm. we've been examining like the Wayans history and seeing where Marlon is in his career and his like, I think he's at a state where he's like, all right, I've kind of established myself as a a, aside from the family as Marlon Wayans. And I think that's a very different space than where Dave Chappelle is like Marlon. Still wants to participate in um and especially because he's an actor as well as a, a stand up and a, a director and a writer. And Chappelle, like, you know, could get 50, 60 a special and dip off and tour the 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 lines between playing in society look different for artists typically. But if you're in somebody like Chappelle's shoes and. You continue to get deals. Mind you, in the midst of controversy, continues to get deals because of such, either whether people love him or hate him, they want to tune in and see what he says. And so now there's this power. He he has power where he can say, I'm going to say this, and I'm of a certain cloak, and I got a certain kind of, like, power and legacy where who going to really check me?
2: It's really crazy because, like, I think about the comics that we came up on. Like, I know you watch Comic View. I know you, you watch. You are on BET. I already it's know. The 10th anniversary, come on. anniversary. So come
1: on, laugh with me. Come, yeah. on. Come, on. come on. Laugh with me, of course. <laughs> of comic course. View,
2: Death Cam- Comedy Jam. Yes. Hell, even last Comic Standard, I had the biggest. I was crush. on it. I had the biggest.
1: Did you? Were you? I- no, 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 no. Not oh, on it. I was about so to I say. I was like on it
2: that that's really why i wanted to talk to you for this because like you're such a student Mm. of the craft and Mm. your knowledge of it is just like so vast i i didn't even know that like when you were 14 you were you were doing stand-up that's so cool so like Mm -hmm. you know and remember the giants that we had you know Kings of comedy, Queens of comedy, you know, all of that. And when I look up and look around and see at the folks who are still kind of here Mm -hmm. and the folks who've fallen off,
0: Mm. you know, it
2: it, it does make me kind of sad because Mm. I know a lot of that has to do, especially for black comics. I know a lot of that has to do with lack of opportunity. It feels like. You know, after the comic views and deaf comedy jams, and after those things started to you know fall off and and get canceled, that there was kind of a decrease in the amount of voices that we were hearing yeah. in comedy. I'm I'm wondering like if you observed that, what your experience mm-hmm. with that, what that was.
1: Yeah, I I so interestingly enough, like I was doing like just a study on on blackness across the like media in terms of when television came out and it just seemed and appeared to me based off of historical and just mathematics that every 20 years black people get a certain opportunity where we're more so in the light. Mm. And, you know, in the sixties, there were people like uh, Diane Carroll and Bill Cosby who were on TV um and they were really i don't want to say the only ones but very too prominent figures on national television where people can be exposed to black faces in the 70s as a result of black explosions uprisings all these things you started to see way more black presence across tv screens whether it was in sports or uh like for instance like soul train and variety you know variety shows but you started to see good times and the Jeffersons and things like that. And and you started to see the emergence of, of, of Dick Gregory and, and red Fox. And so you started to get this really big push in the eighties in terms of television, but, but amount kind of dwindled. And then we started to, again, you see the emergence, more emergence of Bill Cosby of Oprah Winfrey in the eighties of Eddie Murphy in the eighties. Um, and then, you know, but it wasn't like huge, like but in the '90s, that's when again this influx. And I, I've I've realized that like I've seen so many waves of different generations of Black people to the point where I saw I, I was introduced to, to Diane Carroll on on a different world, like oh, wow. watching, and so being able to be like, oh, she had a whole career. Before, before that. Before
2: that.
1: Yeah. Before that. It really goes to show you the waves of generations of people who have been lucky to have been in the business. But it's not a lot. We kind of talk about the same, we talk about a lot of the same names and they've been around for years. But so opportunities of, of these brilliant artists who might not get a lot of 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 praise because Hollywood was just like I you you done or whatever the case was, they couldn't make it to another generational leap. Yeah, I think about um, yeah.
2: that with Monique. You know, yes, like and, yes, and you know, she won the Oscar, had the whole falling out with Oprah and Lee Daniels. You know, said she was blackballed, and we didn't see her in in damn near anything. I feel like almost Christmas was the last movie that I remember her in until very recently. When she did, you know, her and Lee Daniels came back together and, you know, she she's been in a few things since then. But like even thinking about her last special, you know, it it had its funny moments, but she really was telling her story and and getting a lot off her chest is what it seems like. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily get that opportunity. I know a lot of people who watched the special were kind of like, oh, like we want it old Monique and all that. But, you know, I think about like what the industry does to you and how it changes you and how it changes how you even approach comedy. Hell, even like, again, I, you Mm. know, am not a fan of his, of his current work, but like, even with Dave Chappelle, like he is, he, for a lot of his current work, he's telling stories and telling his experiences rather than getting up there and telling jokes in the same way that we kind of knew him, to be, you know, and it, I, I feel like I'm seeing that from a lot of people. But then I'm also seeing people like a Cat Williams, like a Lunel, you know, like a Mike Epps who are still up there in, you know, able to not even able, but choose to take the more like I'm about to get up here and I'm, I'm going to tell you about my life, but I'm about mm-hmm. to get these jokes off.
1: Like yeah. first
2: and foremost type situation, you know?
1: For sure. Yeah. Like I I I've noticed that too. Um, which is why I call myself a storyteller, because I've done stand-up prior, and stand-up is boom, 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 you know, punch-ons, punch on, punch on frequently. With stories, it's more like uh, let me take you on this epic, let me take you on this tale. And I can understand if you came to see boom, 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 especially paying, you know, Chappelle prices, I'm sure. You know, you expect to see some of that back to back to back because that's what like traditional or where we where we were in stand up. Yeah. Um. I think story has been in- integrated way more into stand up, mm-hmm. uh, especially because of the times we're in now. This is a very time where like comedians that I've heard. And and spoken to have you know some of them have uh, I, I love watching interviews. I remember like Damon Wayans had talked about like not being like quitting stand up at one point because he he felt stifled by not being able to say mm. things that he, he in 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 the way he would be able to say it mm. without this ceiling. And so I'm sure there's like tons of frustration with uh people in in trying to now at whatever age are you or whatever space you are whatever space you held in in comedy to now have to adjust to wiggle and i understand because like when, when you get to a certain age who wants to have to like make that pivot and, and learn something new. Like you can't teach the old dog new tricks like they, You know, but people like I'm. this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is what people pay. To, I don't desire to be above or below. Like I'm good right here. Yeah. And so the ability to like mold and bend and, and to switch and adjust and learn something new, you know, it might not be as as appealing to a let's say Dave Chappelle as it might be like a Drewski. Who's like, oh, I'm, I'm hot now. This is what right. it is.
2: And, you know, I'm glad that you brought him up because we are seeing, you know, I wonder how much that's attributed to social media and how social media has shifted not only comedy itself, but how we discover, you know, comedians, comics, people who, you know, write comedic sketches, all of that. I mean, yeah, we had, you know, or have Wiling Out, but... As far as like that kind of constant TV platform that would be similar to, uh, you know, the shows we were watching back in the day, like a Comic View, like, yeah. you know, Comic View is social media now. It's it's your Twitter That's, feed. It's your IG. It's, you know, mm-hmm. going to Drewski's feed, going to Mel Mitchell's feeds, going to Desi Banks. And, you know, like... Uh, I'm wondering, you know, for you, how have you seen social media really change comedy and who you yeah. think the forerunners of that are? Who who are you watching that, you know, really excite you?
1: It's so interesting because you'll get like, a, um, you know, social media is. You got to really capture engagement off of it or it's slow for you. It's just slow. Juxtaposed with like. Like if you look at like a like Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese, it was like a three hour movie. And it just it goes to show you like the generational gap, which is very interesting because it's like people will go and sit through that movie and then people will also be like, I don't got time for that. I want something that can hit now. So in an instance, if you don't grab somebody in the first two to three seconds, it's it's a wrap. Like analytically, like people will just scroll or stop watching. So you got to really capture people. And in the case of building crafting in terms of joke telling, one thing that Chappelle does, he does he does callbacks, a lot of callbacks to things that he says, but he'll take you in a full journey and then come back to that point. But it'll be over the course of five to seven minutes. That's They won't even let you put up a seven minute. It's a minute 30 reel, minute 30 or 90 seconds on, on, on TikTok. What can you do? And so people have established new ways and quicker ways to get to the punch. Now, of course, this breaks the mold of what standardized stand up is. Because you come there for an experience, whether it's a story, whether it's back-to-back punch-ons, but there's a building of something, a setup and a punch-on, a setup and a punch-on. If you can't get to that in the first 20 seconds, you're done. Now, when you talk about Chappelle and, and Chris Rock and Kevin Hart, these are people who have made it past the gate and they are established. They got money. They they, they can take projects as they come. They don't really have to. They, they have to adapt. All right let me not say that kevin hart comes from a generation of this so he's already adapted chris rock and and dave Chappelle already solidified where their their audience isn't reliant solely on social media but for people like drewski and uh a.m.p kai sanat and um uh duke dennis who like they aren't the standard comedians but like they remind me of just, like, cartoons. They mad, like, it's just, they silly.
2: Yeah.
1: It's silly. <laughs> yeah. They're just foolish. Yeah. But I do, I also agree that Black people need that as well. Mm. You need that. You need silly, you need not too serious, because, like, you, you get the spectrum of Chappelle and Rock, and then you got these new, you got this new thing. Yeah. Drewski, Desi Banks, you know, um... Man, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of funny, it's a lot of funny people. It's so many, many it's so many, right. That's another thing. It's so many funny people.
2: I love that you said that, that value of the silliness because, you know, like I think that some people discredit silly because you can still say, you can still say something and you can still have that like positive impact with silliness. But unfortunately, You know, because because we are black, and because Mm -hmm. oftentimes we aren't even given the luxury of being silly amongst each other, it can be you know seen as or labeled shucking and jiving. It's like why, and and it's like why is it shucking and jiving when I want to you know like do a little dance and you know Mm -hmm. be goofy? But Will Ferrell been doing this shit. Forever, forever. you know, like why is it why is it funny when he does it but not when I do it? You know,
1: because I mean, black art is so is 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 often put in a box of representation. It ain't a lot of us as like coming like growing up being told that there's not a lot of people who look like you on television. There's an immense pressure to like as soon as you see something black. Okay, cool. Boom. I'm able to identify and then I'll be able to support. Uh, Interestingly enough, like in the 2010s or the early 2000s, so that like the arts up to the 10s, Tyler Perry was like running shit, running shit. It was, it was really, I did a study like for my, for my, uh, like a, a tele, a black television class I had in college. And it was him. And I think like he was like in the Cleveland show in terms of, blackness on like at that point in time Damn. and that's i think wild. about yes and I, I i i I will admit like back then i used to be furious at tyler perry because i did think it was buffoonery because that's the only thing that i saw and, I, and it wasn't a representation of me now i'm able to be like that's his own experience and those people exist and he's a lot la- why, why why he can't be silly like i think about somebody like marlon wayans or kel mitchell we talk about Brilliant physical comedians. Don't get the credit. Looked at buffoonery. But it's a skill that everybody can't do. To be physical is to be free. Marlon was out there on the Wayans Brothers. wilding For 30 minutes every week. Putting his body out there on the line. Being physical and open and hilarious. And he's silly. But he's a brilliant actor. That shouldn't discount his abilities. It's because he he out here and he you know he might grab his foot and use it as a phone <laughs> or whatever. Right, you know he does some wild shit. But like yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I love that you said that. Marlon Wayans. He he. I cannot think of a something that i've seen him in and haven't like absolutely died even the stupidest Absolute, yeah. the stupidest shit like when stupidest i shit. like i forgot about the what's that one movie he played a baby a baby bank robber
1: little man little
2: man i i was watching that over the holidays i said this is so
1: stupid is but so i was stupid but
2: i was hollering i, yes. I was literally dying but like yes. you know i i that you make a good point of like what you put on the line and Mm -hmm. the the freedom of that and you know not like the bravery of that too you know to like just release your inhibitions and it's like i am going to make y'all laugh this is funny to me to me so and if it's not funny to you it don't hit darling but it's gonna be funny to somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's gonna it's gonna make you laugh. I don't, yeah. I don't know. There, I I love that. I'm wondering, what do you think a good set or a good performance needs mm. today in order to be successful?
1: I, what what I've been learning, like just being on stage more, is to bring yourself on stage. I think it's easy. It was so much easier for me to like uh, interview somebody or even even when I was doing stand up, it was a lot easier for me to create and craft jokes than it was for me to actually talk about myself. Not no other bullshit, but bring like the the weird nigga that's in this in in my house right now to the stage in front of other people and. To do it in a way where it's like, I can show from within who I am without. And I think there's a lot, it, it, I think, I think for me learning like my own weirdness and uniqueness, because I you got to figure like you can, you can look at anybody and study their style, study the way they craft their jokes. It's only one them. And so knowing that it's only one me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to bring, I'm going to try to bring the best me I can. So I don't even. Now I'm trying not to focus on like laughs or applauses. I want to see how much of my own self I could bring on stage to be like, oh, I can hear my own voice. Cause I know like being me and just being myself, like people might not fuck with it, but then there's a lot of people who fuck with it. And most importantly, I yeah. fuck with it.
2: Oh, I fuck so with me. Yeah. yeah. So bringing
1: me more to the stage has helped and and seeing other artists like bring their shit to the stage themselves is brave. Like we were saying, it's risky, it's brave, but that's the big payoff. When I can relate to somebody through the weirdness or the uncomfortability or the the thought process, that to me is like a good set cuz I I'm I'm able to see who you are and not just hear jokes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I love that so much, Jameer Cause like that is brave. Like when, it's super brave when I when I came to see you um, um, perform last year. Oh yes.
1: yeah, I yeah. was
2: just like, man, this is so cool. Like it, cause it it really is cool. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, putting yourself at risk of being that vulnerable, of being you know potentially booed or heckled, or being mm-hmm. you know all of these things in front of strangers like yeah. that that is that's something else that that really yeah. is something else so you know i i applaud you for
1: for getting up there and
2: doing a damn thing for Thank real and for I, real. Appreci- I
1: appreciate you for coming to see me like for real for real
2: yeah, yeah. of course of course gotta Thank support you. um why do you think it's important To consider where society is as we evolve as a people and consider Mm. what's funny and what's not.
1: I can't really. All right. So I really can't speak on like what's funny and what's not, because I think that's depending on. And I think a lot of comedians, I'm not going to speak like I think comedians. I've heard comedians speak on like how there's not an unfunny subject, just like unfunny jokes. So things you can craft around. Um, and work and punch up and you know like you you can i I think i think the ability to talk about things is still on the table it's how you approach it and i think how to approach it is a good study on society so not kind of being i guess all right i'm also and i'm also thinking taking account i'm not a 50 year old black man so i don't know what that feels like but as a 35 year old black man i'm like. I still want to grow. I still want to be able to go to places and spaces and be like, I don't know this shit. Like, teach me so I can learn so that I can adapt and and do it my way without having to totally write it off. So I think just kind of getting us, you need a scope of society to to help develop your point of view, whether whether good or bad. Like, you could be the antithesis, but you got to know about it. You got to be able to, you know, cause I, that's why I just like observing. I like taking time where I just sit back and I go, let me see what's going on. Okay, let me see how I can do this and approach it in my way that's authentic. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's so, it. That's yeah. it.
2: What's getting you through the week, friend? I don't know.
1: I'm just, I'm grateful to be here. I'm just grateful to be alive. Like, I, t- I tell my people this all the time. I was like, yo, I could be anywhere. Like, no, not like I, I just could be. I But the fact that I'm here in this space. I'm doing things that I'm really enjoying um, and that feel extremely authentic to me. Uh, Performing, being able to travel and and tell my story, that feels really authentic to me. To be able to direct and interview and talk to people, that feels really authentic to me. And to be able to, uh, I'm taking acting classes too, like just studying the crap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really offensive to me because like it's something I wanted to do. So to just to be able to continue to feed myself, like I said, not because I know something really well, not going. All right. That's it. But no, continuing to even when I graduate, becoming a freshman again and mm-hmm. not losing that. So I'm grateful just to learn to be able to wake up and learn and uh, try things that uh, I might not have tried before in the past.
2: Mm, that's what's keeping me happy I love that that's amazing what's one thing that you know is right
1: one thing that I know right that I don't know shit like that like things change and turn and even when you think you're right you can find out some other shit to be like oh that was I don't know actually so (laughs) I think just uh, uh, one thing that I know is right is that I don't I don't know I don't know but i'm curious that's, that's real i'm curious to, to, to learn and find out but i don't things change yeah things that were important to me in my 20s i'm like i don't care nothing about that shit no boy
2: look say, that. <laughs> say like,
1: that yeah yeah oh okay one thing i know is right is change change is mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. constant that's mm-hmm. that's what i know
2: yeah yeah, yeah. that's very mm-hmm. real that's very mm-hmm. real Okay, before we let you go, I need we you go. to go ahead, go ahead, shout out where people can support you. I know you got a show coming up. Oh go yes. ahead yeah, and, go ahead yeah. and d- drop your info for the people
1: absolutely absolutely hi people okay thank you for tuning into this episode and 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 just great like having just being graced on your platform i want to thank you i want to thank her post like shout out to y'all you know y'all really be y'all be doing the good thing um but uh my name is jameer pond you can follow me uh on instagram at jameer pond j-a-m-e-e-r-p-o-n-d uh on x or twitter if you call it by its nasty name twitter um, at Jameer Pond, and on uh, TikTok, uh, Jameer Pond, the number one. And I do have a show uh, coming up, a storytelling show, a comedic storytelling show called We're All Gonna Die. It's about death and getting older and realizing sometimes you got to stretch because if you don't get a good stretching, okay, <laughs> your joints is going to yell at you a little bit, all right? So this is about, like, getting older and uh just – stories from life. So if you're in the Brooklyn area, uh, uh, want to come through it's January 20th at the Brooklyn art house. And, uh, yeah, you go to my bio or on IG and, uh, you get some tickets. All right. Or live stream. That's it. I know that's right
2: look if you don't, if you don't stretch you gonna wake up with a crook in your neck like you know, me like <laughs> I did stretch. okay neck Not a stretch. child right? stretch a okay bit. your neck might mm-hmm. be raw if you don't, be st- be <laughs> you don't you don't stretch that shit <laughs> Jameer oh my goodness, it's <laughs> such a pleasure, y'all. For real, go check out Jameer's stuff. Like he, he thank is you. amazing, a dope storyteller, and just phenomenal you. creative all around. I appreciate you for blessing the show. And thank you for yeah, having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to slide through on the 20th. Yeah. Slide through on the 20th. Slide through. Get so this, a hug. So this virtual hug can be a
1: real hug. <laughs> <laughs> Get a real hug. Come through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Alright, that's the show, y'all. Huge thank you to Jameer for joining me this week. Thank you all for listening. And as always, I want to know what y'all want to hear on the show. So if there's a topic or story you want me to explore, hit me up at underscore tearing it up. This show is produced by ACAST and recorded in Brooklyn. Until next time, I'll see y'all.